Oh, have you finally decided what college degree to take? Is it nursing? Nursing? No, I don't like blood. I will be an accountant. Nice. Is it because of the money? Like your Lolo Washington? No, not because of him. Uh, then why? Were you forced by your parents to take up the course? No, not really. I want to be Ben Affleck. He's so cool and badass in the movie The Accountant. everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Banana Q Podcast. Today, we will be talking about The Accountant, starring Ben Affleck. <laughs> no, <laughs> we wish. <laughs> so today, we are talking about the not as exciting, but nonetheless, it's the realistic picture of what The Accountant would be like. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, Accountant in the Philippines. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Not Ben Affleck. Not Ben Affleck, but you know, what... Exactly, does an accountant do? So probably if this were turned into a movie, nobody will watch it because it seems too boring. <laughs> but um, we have had some questions from people, right? Who are like, what exactly mm. does an accountant do? And people have mm. no idea what we do. We thought since we are accountants, we have had a lot of roles in accounting related mm. fields and stuff that we can talk about them. Yes, that's right. And the very first question we want to answer is, why in the first place is accountancy a popular course in the Philippines? Mm -hmm. It's like the second nursing, right? In fact, the reason why Monica, my wife, decided to do accountancy was there were only two choices she was given, either to be a nurse or to be an accountant. <laughs> really? Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, wh why is that? Can you give the first reason? Why is that? And I think we've searched online and we, we found one resource. It's under ujima.com. And there are three reasons why accountancy as a, as a course is popular in the Philippines. And the first one is there is an increase in demand mm. for accountants, specifically Filipino accountants. Now, not just local companies want accountants, right, for their own company, for their industry, but also globally, Filipinos are really making a killing in, <laughs> in this profession. And that's because one, we Filipinos are a great cultural fit for Western countries, mm, right? Yeah. And we do outsource a lot of tasks for them, and specifically call centers, customer service representatives. The Western companies already realize that, hey, this is a good resource for mm. us, not just for customer service, but also why not accountancy? Accountancy is a very transferable skill, mm. right? The, the accounting that the Europeans know is similar to what we've learned in school. Uh, it's it's standardized. It's international financial reporting standards, except for the U.S. They have their own standards, but it's not really that different. For as long as you know what are the key differences, it's, it's really transferable. Mm -hmm. And another key reason why we are popular abroad is there's another article in manilarecruitment.com, and mm. one of the reasons they mentioned here is Filipinos can adjust our work schedule. Mm. Right, And that's one of the biggest challenge for offshoring work from the Western side of the world to the Philippines is the time schedule. Mm -hmm. Like our morning is their evening and their evening is our morning. And so if you want to serve Western countries, you have to be up like really weird hours uh, yeah. in the night. Mm -hmm. right? But we Filipinos, we don't mind that at all. As long as we have extra right? pay, right? We have extra <laughs> pay. And, and that's the motivating factor. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. if, you, if you are a night shift... You have extra pay, and Filipinos love that. We dig that. Yep. And you know, nighttime, it's it's quiet. There's no rooster, cockerel doing. <laughs> <laughs> so you can 
work in peace. You can avoid traffic as well, right? Yeah, you can avoid traffic. And a lot of these companies, if you're working in a night shift, you receive a lot of perks. You have a car service. Mm, yeah. There's a sleeping lounge. Like if you feel you want to take a nap, you also have free food. Oh my God, the free food. Yeah. Right? And it makes sense because these Western companies, they can afford to pay in dollars and dollars are very powerful in the Philippines. That leads to the next reason, right? Which is about money. Yes. So the Why second reason, the high salary. So for accountancy, mm. right? The salaries for professionals in the financial industry, which include accountants and accounting-related jobs, are among the top incomes in the Philippines. According to Job mm. Street, financial jobs are number four in top 10 highest paying jobs in the Philippines for 2017. So it's saying here that accounting jobs can net you an average of 27000 for one to five years job experience. So this is in pesos, by the way. So an mm -hmm. entry-level accounting assistant can get 21,000 pesos at the get-go, which is quite Ooh. high, right, for, uh, in the Philippine setting, yes. right? That is probably why a lot of parents want their kids to go into accounting. Yes, that's right. A third reason from the article is variety of environments. Now, accountants can select the jobs from different industries, whether it's in the public or private sector. Now, just because you're an accountant does not mean you can't join the BPO or IT industries, you know? The proliferating BPO and IT companies would still require accountants mm. and accounting staff to handle their bookkeeping and payroll ledgers. Now, finance in itself is its own industry, right? With banking, hedge funds, fund administration companies. And it doesn't just differ in industry, but also roles. You know, just because you're an accountancy graduate doesn't mean you can only become, you know, an accountant. Yeah. There are also other roles like auditor, product controllers, finance managers. There's a lot of roles that you can potentially land, right? So it is it is quite exciting because it's a stable job. Now, stable and exciting doesn't usually come in the same sentence, but no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's exciting because you have a lot of choices, but it's stable because each company, each industry will need an accountant, right? I think that's one of the selling factors mm. why aunties, uncles, fathers, and mothers would want their children to have accountancy because, hey, you want a secure future? Go get a stable paying job, uh, a job that you can get yeah. practically anywhere. You don't really need accountancy to like do mm. finance or accounting jobs, right? But right. it was kind of in our schools anyway, in your school in Cebu and in my school in, in Sambuanga, right? It's kind of like the hardest course mm. in that line, right? Because accountancy students need to take the board exam. That's right. In order to be a CPA or a certified public accountant. You first take up accountancy and then there's like a grade that you need to achieve or an average or no yeah. grade below this or whatever. And if you fail that then you cannot stay in accountancy anymore. And that's why you have to take something else like management accounting or mm -mm. financial management or business management. Like yeah. All those other <laughs> courses within the, what, what is that, commerce? Yeah, in the, in the commerce department. And the reason why schools do that is they're very protective of their passing rates mm -hmm. in the board exams. So they really want only the top students to finish accountancy as a degree. Because mm. if you let a lot of students graduate with accountancy and later on they take the board exam and they don't pass the exam, it reflects negatively on the program of the school. Yes. The school wanting to protect their image because mm. probably they will lose their 
credibility yes. and potentially lose students if Mm-mm. none of their students <laughs> pass the board exam. Yes. Right? <laughs> you think it matters because, of course, that's what's drilled into you. But, like, for example, I did not pass the CPA exam and I did not take it again because I was too lazy to review the second time around. Mm. Yeah, so it's not actually necessary in order to get into mm. accounting-related jobs that we will be discussing the next. So just so you right. are aware where we're coming from, Ray is a CPA. I think you need to be a, a diligent, uh, studious person yeah. in order to pass that. I don't know. I just hated studying during that time because it was like yeah, cramming. It, it wasn't a fun experience not at, at all. all. It was brutal, right? Probably why I lost my hair as well. <laughs> no, you lost your hair when you were working already. But again, uh, the difference, right? The CPA exam in the Philippines is kind of different to mm. Australia, for example. It's easier to take the CPA there, apparently, because it's not like in one shot. In the Philippines, you take the CPA exam in, is it two weekends or was it just one weekend? Can you remind yeah, me? Two, two weekends. And it was CPA Australia, I think, is open book. Yes. And we don't have that in the <laughs> Philippines. So it's two weekends and then it's seven different subjects. Right. Then actually, I think CPA exam is like the second most difficult exam to pass in the Philippines next to bar. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I remember. That Again, this was a mm. long time ago. I'm a tita already. So maybe now it's changed. But that's what I remember. Let's move on to the next part, which is we will be talking about what we call the day in the life of an accountant. Ooh, interesting. So we mentioned earlier that there are actually a lot of different jobs within the finance industry that, you know, an accountancy Mm. graduate or not necessarily accountancy, maybe somebody in commerce or something can take. Finance, yeah. And we have actually held a lot of them. So we can talk about those roles. Hmm. So the very first accounting-related job I had was as an assistant accountant. So assistant accountants, they provide clerical aid to the accounting department and other departments where necessary. So assistant accountants may be responsible for numerous tasks associated with accounting, such as writing and delivering reports, managing invoices, receiving and handling payments, and completing general bookkeeping duties. So basically, you are also kind of doing the accounting jobs, but you know, you're know you not the mm. accountant itself. So you're just kind of um, doing these tasks that eventually roll up to what the accountant is doing. So you're like Anna Kendrick, right? From the accountant. <laughs> was that what she was doing? I don't even remember. Maybe. <laughs> Another typical entry role is the next one I had was as an auditor. Now, the typical auditor, though, they are financial auditors. So Mm. what the accountants do, the auditor's job is to kind of check them. Mm. So um, you perform some, you know, tests or controls. Audit tests to give, uh, I would say, assurance. So it's an assurance service, Mm. right? Essentially, the auditor would assure users of the financial reports that they have tested it, they have checked, and it fairly represents whatever is happening in the company, right? Because yeah. the financial statements would tell users of those statements, what's the situation of the company? Income-wise, are they making money? Mm-hmm. Balance sheet-wise, what assets do they have? What liabilities? Now, if you're the company preparing those statements, you could write whatever, right? Yes. You could beautify, you could potentially misreport. <laughs> and the role of the auditor is to check and to be uh, an external, independent assessor or tester of those assertions, if it's true or not. Yes. So my role wasn't in financial audit. Rather, it was in IRM or information risk management. 
So what Ooh. that does is it assists the audit team by providing assurance, so still the assurance, but this time that the mm. systems and applications used for the financial statements reporting are securely controlled and the related risks of error and fraud are minimized. So mm. it has to do with the tech of the company, right? Like So you mm. actually look into how the system you know like you test the system that what goes mm. in comes out like you know it's it's providing the right information and, and there's no hocus pocus which industry was this is it credit card company well like so i w- was working for kpmg mm. but some of our clients that i worked on i remember was san miguel corporation oh okay but the thing mm. is is if you're an auditor Mm. You get assigned to these companies, right? And then you go mm. to them. You're usually on the field because you need to mm. interview the people who is working mm. for those companies and take a look at their systems. And, and th- this is how I learned how to use Visio because you need to draw the process flows flow and charts. all that, right? The flow charts. Oh, yeah. I went to Cebu because of this um, the hotel, Waterfront Hotel, I think. Nice. Anyway, so yeah, it's it's good to be an auditor because this is one of the most common entry-level jobs that accountants get into. And that's because if you mm. have experience with auditing firms, especially if it's a big four, mm. that's leverage if you want to eventually go into another company, right? Like the right. fact that you worked for one of the big four, they will be confident that you have good experience, that you have been trained mm. and that kind of thing. So there's right. a lot of people who start off in audit. And a lot of my friends or my classmates did this. I remember I was living in a house with, there were eight of us and like seven of us were starting off in audit. So it really is that mm. popular. Well, yeah, you're right. It's it's quite a popular choice after graduating accountancy or passing the board exam, whether you want to be an auditor or you want to go directly to industry that's usually the two choices right yeah. and for audit it's usually an investment meaning yes it's code word for you not paid well yeah you work long hours but then it's for your future yeah. you become very valuable for your next employer exactly when they see that you are an auditor from a big four oh you must know accounts you must know systems mm-hmm you probably are well-rounded because you had several clients in the past. So you, you probably would fit in well in the new company. But for me, I didn't really like the idea of being an auditor because I was a really money person. Like I really want a big <laughs> salary. <laughs> and, and Which is valid, yeah. Which, which is valid, yeah. It's a need. Yeah, because auditors get paid really low compared to mm. other entry-level positions, I would say. And also auditors mm. really have no work-life balance, especially during mm. April, uh, which is tax season. Right. Like some of my flatmates, you don't even see them like, I don't remember seeing him last night because, you know, they were just in the office. Like, they actually have showers and stuff mm. there. But but that's fine, right? I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing because when you're starting your career, if you're working your ass off, if you don't have work-life balance, it's an investment for your future. Ah, yeah. like, True. Do it whilst you still can. And you're young. Yeah, you're young. You can do it. Like, you don't need shower. Who needs shower? I mean, everybody <laughs> needs shower. But at that point in time, you know, it's a Yeah, yeah, yeah. For because you're young. You're, mm. what, 21 or mm. something. Then it's completely fine. And you're investing in the future. A lot of auditors end up like, it's easier for them to go abroad and stuff, which is what a lot of Filipinos want to do. That's right. But anyway, let's go back to you. So what did you do? Not audit. So what did you do? So I was a business process analyst for Citibank when I was starting out. 
And they actually came to Cebu. They were interviewing students in Cebu and I was one of them and selected, uh, luckily, to work in Makati. I think this was even before we knew we passed the board exam. There was really high demand for accountants in, oh. in Manila. And that's because there were a lot of banks. Uh, Citibank was one of them. ANZ was another. They were looking for Filipino accountants who would do finance and accounting work for them. And Citibank was one of them. Mm -hmm. And the offer that Citibank was giving was drastically different from what I was getting from companies in Cebu. Speaking of San Miguel, I interviewed for San Miguel as well. And the offer was just day and night. Yeah, because San Miguel is a local company, right? So obviously... It is, yeah. <laughs> So what does a business process analyst do? Yeah. So it's usually management accounting. So there are two main branches of accounting, right? One is financial reporting, which is you prepare the financial statement. So you do accounts payable, you do accounts receivable, all, all the kind of accounts. And you close the books every month on a regular basis, depending on your company. Could be quarterly, but most companies do it monthly. And then once the financial records are set, the, the books are closed, that's when the management accountants step in. Mm. Because the management accountants would take a look at the books, do some accounting, management accounting adjustments, maybe to split the, the income, for example, into the different products that the company has, mm -hmm. or splitting it according to manager so maybe if you have five managers and you want to know hmm we're making money as a company but are all our managers making money maybe one is making a lot of money and then the four are not doing so well right so that's the job of management accountant yeah. and that's what i did so it was an entry-level job and it was figuring out okay how much money are we spending on people manpower on resources how much money are we spending on rent but then those are financial accounts, right? Mm. Then we need to divide those payments according to the products that we are selling. Mm -hmm. We have a consumer business. We have an investment business. We allocate the financial records and reports to those specific products. And we call that performance management. Mm. Yeah, that was a very good entry-level job for me. Mm, because as yeah. you've said, right, it's usually very long hours. We spend a lot of time at work. I remember the toughest day I had was one quarter end when I went to the office maybe 8 a.m. Mm. I left the office 5 a.m. the following day. Oh my god, okay. Only to take a shower and then report back to the office around 10 a.m. Oh so gosh. It was crazy, yeah. But I learned a lot, like learning time management. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to do this again, so I need to manage my time. So I, mm. I worked on kind of how do I avoid this in the future? Learned mm -hmm. a lot of Excel. Excel is our best friend as yeah. accountants. MS Excel is our <laughs> yes. everyday tool. And so learning that tool, how to be more efficient. Yeah, that's what I learned in my entry-level job. My next job is actually, it's also a process owner. But for me, it was specific mm. to accounts payable. Mm. It refers to invoices that we need to pay. Like the companies mm. that we owe. Like vendors or right. whoever has offered services to company, right? Like obviously, you need to pay them. That's right. So it is the job of the accounts payable analyst to ensure that those invoices are paid and on time. Mm. Because I worked for a big global firm, so I needed to look after a lot of invoices. It's not like a small store. Right? There's actually a lot mm. of invoices and then you need to make sure that it's funded. So you need to liaise with the treasury. To, uh, mm. Is this funded? Do we have enough money to pay this much? Mm. I actually had like two roles within it. Like one was payments analyst, which was doing the payment runs. And the other one was a market analyst, which is 
more of your like the face of the market. Like the market is the country basically, like Korea for me. So you have to talk to the Korea stakeholders, you know, your colleagues in Korea. And so because uh, I was working with Koreans, then I actually went to Korea three times. Mm. So that's good, right? Uh, if you're working for a mm. global company and you want to travel, then go for these kinds of roles that mm. gives you the opportunity that you need to meet your colleagues in the other markets. Mm. This is guess, one of the perks of this role that is one of the perks indeed yeah and it's one way of getting employment right i've known a lot of people who because they interacted with other colleagues from other parts of the world and those colleagues like the way they did things they're very efficient and so they kind of got recommended if somebody if there's an opening in that other country so yeah it's one way of getting employment outside of the philippines as well yeah yeah that's actually true you need to make yourself visible my next role was a fun accountant without the D. No, actually, it's a fund <laughs> accountant with the D. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this was in Singapore. So mm. uh, Singapore is what we refer to as one of the tax haven countries for companies to invest their money because there are really low taxes, mm. right? So it used to be just Cayman Islands, Virgin Islands. But Singapore is also marketing themselves as one of the premier home of fund investors, fund mm. managers. And that is why there's a lot of fund accounting jobs in Singapore. And that's where me and Dee met, right? Mm. In hedge fund services. And what, what we do is essentially do accounting for hedge funds. And it's interesting, right? Because it's daily job. Every day, we need to take a look at what stocks, what bonds did our hedge fund buy or sell. Did we make money out of those assets, out of those transactions? And we do a lot of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So reconciliation essentially means just tying to different records mm -hmm. and take a look at what are the differences. And that's because, number one, our broker has their own set of records, how much we bought and sold. Mm -hmm. And the bank has its own records of how much we paid and how much cash we received. And those two are sometimes or maybe oftentimes not the same, mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes there are transactions that got canceled. There are transactions that didn't push through. Mm -hmm. But then the records of the bank wasn't updated. And so it was uh, recording a, a cash outflow which shouldn't have happened. And so we mm. need to take a look which one's correct. And a lot of our job is mostly kind of process-driven. Like we need to make sure, number one, at the end of the day, the records are reconciled. If they are not, then we have to call our, what we call local offices. We ask them, hey, what happened here? Why is there a difference? Like, did you really buy 10 shares of Apple, for example? Mm -hmm. the, the bank is telling you bought only nine. So what could be the difference? So things like that. Mm -hmm. It was hectic because we are on a daily schedule. Mm. There's deadlines 2 p.m. Singapore time. There are deadlines 3 p.m. And if the deadline is approaching and you're not even halfway done your work. <laughs> you need to drag somebody mm -hmm. to, to your desk. Hey, help me with this. I can't find my break. Yeah, we call this so, breaks, yeah. by the way. Yeah. It's a terminology mm. in the industry. Break is a, mm. a difference. Yes, a difference. 
it's not a nice break. Like, oh, let's take a break. No, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't catch a break because of our breaks. Yes, yes exactly. We, we, yes. We did, uh, to Ray's point, the difference I would say between this and the other roles we discussed so far is that there is a daily deadline. Mm. The deadline is really today. And if for some reason, you cannot balance, you cannot reconcile your, you know, your mm. broker to your bank. So if you cannot do that, right, you cannot go home until you actually finish that. That's the problem. Because in other accounting jobs, if let's say you cannot finish it today, you can like, oh, I'm just going to finish this tomorrow. Mm. You can push it. But this one, because you need to deliver this today, that's why there are moments when almost on a daily basis, especially if it's during month end, it's called month end, but it's actually the beginning of the month. That's why my friends are like, why is it called month end? But accountants don't get it. Because like, it's month end reporting. <laughs> yeah, it's month end reporting, reporting but, you're, do- after yeah, but you're doing it on the week after the month or something, mm-hmm. right? So usually that week is very busy. Um, you need to deliver all of these things that are on that day. So even if you have a date or you're meeting someone mm-hmm. tonight, but most of the time you have, to, I'm sorry, I cannot do it because there was a system issue and then the trades didn't mm. flow in, blah, blah, blah. I need to do manual. You mm. know, th- that's the kind of thing that we always had to <laughs> say to people. Right? That's right. That's why I, I didn't really, honestly, like this kind of role because of mm. that. That's right. So the, the time essence, you're always in a rush. Every day you need to make sure everything is done you can't put ojk or only god knows you can't put you can't do that you really have to figure out what went wrong yeah uh, yeah that was my first role in singapore my second role still was fund accountant but it was on a different industry so i've mentioned singapore is popular for fund managers not just for hedge funds but also for private equity and real estate funds so these are the type of funds that pull in money from different investors across the world and then they would use that fund to purchase assets, uh, real estate assets like a building, for example, in Singapore or wherever in in Asia. So what we do essentially is the same as hedge fund accounting, making sure our records are correct, we close the books, but then it was no longer daily. Mm. So it was monthly reporting and the transactions, it was night and day, right? Hedge funds, you would see thousands, if not tens of thousands of transactions in a daily basis. But for private equity and real estate funds, maybe 10 transactions in a month. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because the money, the volume is very low, but the money is significantly more. Ah. So they would do one transaction, but it's worth $300 million, for example. Okay. Because it's one building, right? Mm. It really is. And so... One transaction, you would need to do a lot of research. Mm-hmm. You would need to read a lot of legal documents. Is this within the agreements of the fund? Are, are we allowed to do this, essentially? Mm-hmm. right? We do a lot of compliance checks. We, we take a look at contracts. Oh, re- uh, oh my God, you, you need to be fast reader. And at the wow. same time, okay. you, you need to be able to summarize contracts in a logical way. Because say in, in one day, you need to course through five contracts, right? Mm. And if you're not able to summarize them and record them, the following morning, you would forget what you know. Like, yeah, there was a section. Mm, what was that section oh, about specifically not to purchase this type of <laughs> asset? Oh, I forgot. So oh, no. really is documentation, making sure you've covered because you don't want to do something, a transaction worth $300 million. And at the end of the day, hey, we're not supposed to do that. Mm. We need to cancel the transaction. 
oh my God, there are a lot of penalties. You incur a lot of, you know, right. damages. Mm -hmm. And you, you need to have that fiduciary responsibility for the fund, right? You mm -hmm. need to make sure that you know what you're doing so that the, the fund doesn't suffer. You, uh, you don't mm -hmm. incur a lot of cost. Yep. Because at the end of the day, it's a business, right? It's profit-driven. Mm. So it doesn't reflect well on you if you're not showing knowledge uh, <laughs> of the fund. Yes. What we used to do, right, that's called like operation side because mm. I would say that that's the normal business cycle. I managed to escape that because my VP at the time like referred me for this job that came out. They decided to form a team to handle the projects and the reports of the operations. So that's also something that you can do if you're an accountant, right? Because you know the operation side, they need someone to mm. oversee the projects that are getting rolled out to the business. Like, for example, they mm. want to uh, have a new system. They want to track efficiencies, blah, 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 and all these things. So they need someone to do that. So that's mm. what I did. And also reports because uh, you need executive reporting, the KPIs mm. and all these things. So that's what I got involved in. And, you know, mm. you need to be well-versed in Excel here. Because in, in operations, you don't really need to be an expert, I think. But if mm. you're doing reports and whatnot, you need to be better. Like you need to know how to do pivot tables and <laughs> all these things. Eventually, Power BI, how do you collate the data? How do you do analysis? Mm. Yeah, I would say it's a different skill set. It's more of like, how do I represent this data so that I can show the management that this is what's going on? That Right. It's more like storytelling, right? You, mm. you show the narrative. What really happened in the month? Yes. If you have a lot of data, it usually would tell you, like, especially if you're biased, right? Mm. If you have already a certain set of thinking, no matter how you see the data, you would always go back to your original thinking. <laughs> and you need to make sure that you don't do that. You, mm. you independently sort the data and really present how it is, right? Mm. Without any filters, without anything without your biases and, and that's a skill set in its own yeah and also the projects mm. is a different skill set because the reason why I was picked for this role was I'm good at talking to people and they needed a coordinator for the projects ah project management yeah you need to be good at bugging people basically <laughs> right <laughs> that's true <laughs> because this is an extra thing they are doing their operations they need someone to be able to push them into doing this other thing like tell me these other things that we need for your projects mm. and whatnot. Mm. You need to be kind of likable in a way because if you're an annoying person, nobody's going to reply to your emails, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a difficult line to cross because you need to be firm mm. because, you know, I have my deadline, but I also need to be likable enough that they would reply to you. My next role was a product controller. No, product controller. What is that? That's your wife's role for a long time, right? Yeah, that's what she's been doing for a long time. Mm. So what it is, is the term product is for financial products, mm -hmm. right? So you could be a product controller and it could be in a factory. Like <laughs> if you're a product controller for, say, corned beef and you need to taste <laughs> the corned beef, is this up to quality? Oh, it's not bad. It's not that good. So yeah, you need no. to reject. This is financial products. So in, a, in the financial markets, it is a market. So there are buyers and sellers, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been in the buy side for a long time. Buy side meaning the firm looking for investments to buy right to, mm -hmm. to to put capital on but for them to buy there has to be somebody selling right and that's where investment banks come in so investment banks what they do is they make market meaning they would sell products right mm -hmm. so if you're in a market for an insurance 
you go to an insurance agent, the insurance agent would need to sell that product. So I went to an investment bank and what I did was product controller for their fixed income division. So what does that mean? Fixed income products are bonds. There are a lot of bonds, right? You have corporate bonds, bonds Mm -hmm. that are sold by companies, or it could be government bonds. Like the country in itself needs money Ah. to finance, right? So they would sell bonds. And James and Bond as well. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> James Bonds, yes. James no. Bonds. So what does a product controller do? Yeah. A product controller makes sure that the trader is making money. <laughs> and if the trader is not making money, at least know the reason why. Right? Ah. So in, in an investment bank, there are a lot of traders. They would look for clients. And if a client needs a product to be created, mm. the trader would do that, right? Would sell that product. But then as an investment bank, you don't want a lot of risk. You would want to hedge your risk. And so they would enter into another transaction looking for a transaction that would offset the original transactions. You don't want to be at the risk of being too exposed to a certain product. So that at the end of the day, your risk is net off, but then you're making money on both sides. You're selling and I you're see. buying. It is a daily job as well. Like we, we do daily reporting. And that daily report is to show how much money did the trader make. Ah, okay. And then if there are results that are beyond the threshold, say for example, a million dollars is a threshold. If the trader made more than $1 million, you need to explain why. Was there a market event that happened? Did BOJ or the bank, the central bank governor said something and so the market rallied or reacted in such a way? So you need to explain why. If the trader lost money beyond... $1 $1 million, all the more reason you need to know why. <laughs> you need the trader to explain why he lost money, right? Why did you do that? What, what was the logic behind? And you need to report that to management. So yeah, it's asking the difficult questions uh, to the trader and also synthesizing those commentaries for a broader audience. So it's kind of like you you need to analyze and have commentary on, on, on a lot of um, variances, basically, right? Yes, uh, okay. variances. And there, there are what we call attributions. So attributions are, say you made money $1 million. Mm. The question is, how did you make the $1 million? And mm. attributions would mean, how do you break down that $1 million according to the reasons why you made $1 million. Mm. I, I, I don't want to go <laughs> that rabbit hole, but okay, essentially okay. just explaining why you made money. Yeah, I think they just want to be able to use that information to make their future decisions. Yes, that's right. Whether to fire the trader or not. <laughs> okay, got <laughs> that it. Is the most, that is the most immediate decision. <laughs> So the next role is in financial planning and analysis, or Ooh. known for short as FP&A. FP&A. So this refers to the processes designed to help organizations accurately plan, forecast, and budget to support the company's major business decisions and future financial health. These processes include planning, budgeting, forecasting, scenario modeling, and performance reporting. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's to do with budgets, right? <laughs> this mm. is the bulk of what you do. Uh, it's usually like the departments come up with their budgets, like how much do they need, for, for example, for this year, what did they spend, and then what was their revenue, and then you will project. Next year, when you're doing mm. the budgeting cycle, they will say how much they will probably 
earn or how much they will probably need, right? Because mm. maybe they foresee that there's a new business coming in mm. uh, and, you know, how many more people they will need. And in a downwards economy, they will also need to determine how many people they will need to let go. Mm. Obviously, the busiest season for this would be the budget season and it depends mm. again on the company when that is. Like most of the year, you can not really be super busy, but when it's that time of the year, you can still experience the time when you go home at 4 a.m. And, you know, <laughs> I would say it's still not as bad as, say, fun accounting. It's a lot more fun than fun accounting. But you do a lot of <laughs> variance analysis as well, right? Yeah, variance analysis is a big thing here because most of the time you need to analyze the actuals versus the budget. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you sit down with the department head and then tell them, Hey, you told me last year that you're going to spend this much in January. How come you spent way over budget? What is that about? Why did you buy a $800 bottle of champagne? What? This wasn't part of, this wasn't part of the budget. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like that, probably. Mm. And that would fall under... Entertainment, usually, is the... Yeah, entertainment. Hot topic, yeah. But also not just that, right? Like maybe they hired someone that for some reason was not in the budget and they need to justify that. Like, oh, because mm. turns out that we needed more than one person. We mm. projected that this work would only take this much hours, but actually it's a lot worse. Mm. Like with the product control, you also do a lot of variance analysis and explaining it away with commentary and stuff. Mm. You kind of try to guide it. Well, if you spent this much, how do you think we can let this go down so that by the end of the year you're still in budget Mm. they will say oh yeah it's fine I hired this guy but then I will not hire this other person I said I will hire anymore or I will hire him in a different lower cost location Mm. just so we can um, recover that's right because I bought the champagne (laughs) I'm going to hire the person in India what? no just kidding (laughs) the good thing about being an FB&A manager is if the market does not do so well and so does the company and we need to let go of people. FPN usually is the last people to be let go. Yeah, because they need you. (laughs) (laughs) They need you to plan the retrenchment and then once everything's done, sorry, FPNA, you've done your job. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Thank you for doing your service. Sorry, we have to let you go as well. Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) So maybe it is a stable job. (laughs) But also I would say um, the advantage of FP&A compared to those other roles that I mentioned earlier, I would say is visibility because Mm. you have to speak to higher stakeholders like department heads and stuff, Mm. right? A senior fund accountant versus a senior accountant in FP&A they have very different visibility. Mm. When I was a senior analyst in FPNA, I was already exposed to this head honchos. So I would get mm. invited to say dinners or whatever. Uh, one time I got invited to dinner with a CFO, even though it was just a senior. And I know mm. you're a CFO right now and I talk to you all the time. So mm. that's different. <laughs> but, but back then, when I told people that I met the CFO, they were all like, whoa, really? Because that's not common, right? Did the CFO buy an $800 bottle of champagne. <laughs> <No>. That's why <laughs> that person invited you for dinner and tried to beg you, don't report this to compliance. <laughs> it was justified. But yeah, so I think that's the good part about this role is you have mm. higher visibility. And it's not just the visibility. The fact that you work with higher positioned people, you mm. also pick up skills faster. Because you're exposed to them, the way they talk, their terminology, the way they think. So I think you absorb these things faster compared to, say, you're just 
in doing reconciliations or something That's because right. you're far away from these people. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's definitely a good role to have, even though it's really scary at first. Like, oh my God, um, I'm talking to this, you know, <laughs> these people. And what I'm did just... I do? <laughs> right? <laughs> Am I and you're fired? so nervous. But then yeah. because of that, you're constantly exposed to them. Then you also very quickly mature and grow yeah. up and get your act together, right? Mm. That's right. <laughs> because you, you're afraid of committing some weird thing around them or whatever mm. and then eventually you, you learn yeah you get to see everything in a different lens because of the people you interact with but you had kind of fpna right but you had a different one is it finance business partner mm, yeah that's right it's a really trendy role right mm-hmm. now finance business partner what is the difference to fpna uh, big difference right so finance business partner you sit in the middle of finance and the business that's why it's mm, finance business okay okay partner I would say, concisely, your role is to speak to non-finance people, finance concepts in a very, very basic way. Like, make them understand what we're doing in finance. Mm. And then finance, you explain to finance what the business is doing. So, essentially, you you act as a bridge Mm. between those two very different departments. Mm -hmm. And you are needed because usually FBPs are for companies that are changing in the midst of transformation. Maybe you're doing a new product. Maybe you're doing investments. Maybe you're doing M&A. And you need somebody to sit in between those two different departments that I've just mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. To give you an example, we did an investment in Japan and we need a product manager to do the product, right? To build the new product. But then the product manager wouldn't know how much it would cost, how Mm. much money we need, what stakeholders we need to contact, how do we build a business case? That product manager needs finance business partner to, to build a business case with him. Okay, this is how much money we need. This is how much capital we need from the company. This is how much money we should make so that the capital is justified. What is the internal rate of return minimum mm. that we need? What's the net present value of our investment? So you build that business case with a product manager. At the same time, you report that to your investment committee because essentially you need money, right? Mm-hmm. You would market your product, your new investment to the investment committee. Hey, look at this. This is an exciting new investment that we can do in Japan. This is how much money we can make. With this very little capital, we can transform this business into blah, blah, blah. So you need to kind of be a marketer as well. Wow, okay, that's a lot of hats. Okay. Mm. And for you to build the business case, you need a lot of data from your finance team right? Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. why you would frequently contact your finance for data. Hey, for the past 10 years, how much money did we spend on, say, maintaining a building? Mm. For this particular product, how much money did we spend on this supplier? So looking at historical data, you would need your finance team, but at the same time, you yourself as a finance business partner on a forward-looking data, you would need to research on your own, like mm. uh, GDP growth of Japan, how much expected growth do we see for this particular industry? What type of growth are we seeing? You take a look at your competitors. We have 10 competitors and in the past 10 years, they have made 3% in the market and they're growing steadily. For and, and you need to project that so that you feed that data into your business case so that your business case becomes solid, right? Because mm. the investment committee would ask you very tricky questions. Okay, so you need a million dollars from us. 
what is your <laughs> exit strategy if this assumption breaks down? Mm-hmm. How do we uh, mitigate losses from our investors? So those type of questions. So it is an exciting role, FBP. So you're like the CFO of a specific product, ah, right? Because okay. you are the representative of finance for that particular product or for that mm. particular investment. And you need to know all the bits and pieces because you would eventually build a business case for your product. And if uh. that product doesn't do so well, well, thank you for your service. <laughs> We don't need you anymore. So you're the head gun that FPNA will say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you need to get rid of this head gun. Then that song will... Be sung. You did your best, but your best wasn't, <laughs> wasn't good, good enough. Good enough. Oh my god. So, which leads us to the last role, which is the highest role in finance. Your current role, which is CFO, certified funny officer, <laughs> chief fun officer, chief flying object, <laughs> chief financial officer. Right? Okay. What does a CFO do? Nothing really. No, I'm just kidding. What? It, yeah. <laughs> you essentially are the head of finance. So number one, your primary role as a CFO is make sure everything is running normal, right? That like all the roles that we've mentioned so far have their own purpose, and right. you as the head have to make sure that those are being done. Like running the business is mm-hmm. making sense. Second is governance. You need to make sure that whatever it is that you are doing as a company is aligned with legal. Is aligned with compliance, so you essentially are not the fun person because you would be the the person <gasps> asking the difficult questions, right? Yes. Like if you're planning to do an investment in, say, a certain country, you would be the person asking, "Do we have legal basis of doing business there? Have we taken a look at our risks? What if?" This happens. What if, knock on wood, an employee dies because of what we're doing? Are we covered? What do we have? Mm. Do we have insurance? Do we have like you are the kind of person who thinks of scenarios that would likely happen that people have not thought of, oh. so that you can prepare in advance, right? Yeah. So that's governance. And lastly, I think performance management. You are the person telling your board, "This is how much money we're making. Is this in line with budget? Uh. What can we do in the future?" What do we need to do now so that we mitigate enterprise mm, risks uh, okay. in the future? So I would say those are the top three roles of a CFO. Obviously, there are a lot more because mm-hmm. if, if somebody is on leave, all of a sudden you need to step in. <laughs> so <laughs> at least you have an idea, right? How uh, how everything works, or not necessarily how it works, but knowing the right people to contact if something happens. Yeah, of course. Essentially, it's I would say being good at something is not necessarily knowing how to do it but knowing the right people like you're always at the agency of others right yes you network with people that if something does happen you're at least comfortable that you have the right set of people you can call give a team's message that hey can you give him five minutes of your time i have this i have that and then to do that right for you to be able to ask favor from people that means you're also willing to give favors so it's, oh, yeah. it's a kind of favor giving Business, <laughs> you, you you need to be so good with your networks so that mm. at the end of the day you help each other out because you're you're part of the business and if something fails, you need to be at least willing to put yourself in front and solve the problem. The asking favors part probably is from people that is not under you, right? Because the people under mm. you they're going to do what you ask them to do. You're the boss, but it's more of like the business side of things and all mm. that, right? 
Because you're the head of your department, sometimes if you have a question, you don't have anyone in your department to ask, right? Because mm. I'm the I'm the head. I'm supposed to know this. <laughs> to know everything. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but scary. essentially, you can't ask, or you're supposed to be the one who knows, right? But you don't know mm. the answer, and so you connect with other people outside ah. of your company. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you know of another head of department in, say, Singapore. Your colleague mm. in Singapore, you give that person a call and say, "Hey, I have this problem." Have you encountered this before? Have you seen this type of beast? How did you tackle it? Like, ask for tips from people, mm. standard network. Of course, you would show what you plan to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, this is what happened. This is what I plan to do. Is this the right thing to do? Have you seen this before? And do you think I'm doing the right step, right? So yes. and then at least they can give you advice that, no, I've done that before. It doesn't really work. Maybe you can try this, right? Mm. Uh, my boss... She has worked with a lot of people, and and she knows exactly who to ask in case something goes wrong. Right. Yeah. So it's about that. You need to yeah. not be like working silo and. That's true. Yeah. No, Know, knowing the right people and you know interacting with them, because if you've been really bad at your job and you've been toxic at work, if you turn to people, ask them for advice, chances are you won't get as much That's help true. as you would want, right? Yeah. You need to be. Mm. Again, the right balance of being friendly at the same time firm because if you're stakeholders, hmm. you also need to be firm, right? So right. yeah, I think it's it's a different skill set again altogether. So yeah. yeah. That brings us to one point that probably we are not talking about in our discussion, right? We've been talking about what we've covered, what our roles and responsibilities are. It may sound exciting, but what we haven't mentioned is there are a lot of politics behind the scenes that you need oh, to yeah. juggle and you need to balance your way out. Uh, obviously, it's a skill set to to mm-hmm. learn as well. Don't get bogged down that like, oh, how come there's a lot of bureaucracy in the company and all that. Mm. It's normal, but it's just yeah. a matter of you navigating your way out of that bureaucracy. Don't let that slow you down. Mm-hmm. Uh, just look beyond and ask yourself, what can you do? And, and usually yeah. if you ask that question, you pretty much have an idea how to navigate that scenario. Yeah. Even if, let's say, you're, uh, what's the term, introvert, you have to force Mm. yourself to actually socialize with people because otherwise, it's not going to help you if you are just like, I don't care, I don't need to talk to you. But the more people you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. not necessarily just work, right? Even if if you just do small chit-chats in the pantry or whatever, then they will end up helping you somehow. Even, doesn't need to be like you're just talking to the big people, just even the small people. Like, mm. for example, I know the IT guy. So if I have an issue, even though I don't need to log an SD ticket, he will fix the issue for me, right? <laughs> like, that kind of thing. That really helps. <laughs> Michael, thank you. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really pays to network. Like, even if you don't want to, you need to force yourself to network somehow. Yeah, that's very important. Very true, very true. How do we close this? Before we go to that question that you want to ask, you keep saying that our job seems exciting. Maybe not. Maybe we think it's exciting, but to other people, I just remembered in my former role, we were asked to talk to students about what we do in, you know, our day in a life of. And I think they yeah. were bored. So maybe our yeah. role seems exciting to us, but it's not to the average really? person. Why? <laughs> no, for, for me, right? It, 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 your job is how you make it. How, uh-huh. how you... 
perceive it. And for me, I make my job as exciting as it can be. For example, if you're mm-hmm. just looking at numbers, then I ask myself interesting questions. Okay, mm-hmm. why, 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 why did we make money? Why? And then you ask people, do you think it's correct? That's what makes it exciting, right? Like mm-hmm. looking beyond the numbers. Say, for example, a typical accounting job is produce a report and that's it. Mm-hmm. Full stop. I've sent the report. My job is done. Mm-hmm. But then to make it exciting is you would ask users of your report, how are they using the report? What could be additional reports or data that would make it more interesting? And Mm. by doing that extra step of the process, you get to know that stakeholder. You Uh, get to ask him, hey, how many dogs do you have? Like, (laughs) it it really is looking beyond just the job description. That's true. Yeah. You have a good point. Like my boss, she always says, you have to ask the stakeholder, how can I give more value to you? Mm. Because of her mindset, that's always also how I try to look at things. Like, okay, I'm providing this report which was given to me by a predecessor or something. But how can you improve Mm. the report? Right. Does this actually matter to them? So you ask Mm. them, like, um, do you look at this at all? Or should we look at something that is, you know... No, you don't have to ask that question. The, The test, the litmus test for importance of the report is stop sending the report. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> stop sending the report. If nobody reacts. If nobody reacts, then, uh, well, I suppose nobody nobody's using it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's yeah, the, that, the that's best. True. Say you did that. You stop sending a report and then you, you there are two people who reacted. Mm. Then you ask those two people, what do you actually use in the report and how are you using it, right? Mm. If they're using just 10% of your original report, then perhaps you can change the way you're reporting. Instead of spending five hours just to report, a, produce a <laughs> yeah. single report, you cut that down to, say, five minutes because you only need a really small portion of that report. That's true. Make it exciting, guys. Just because it's status quo, mix it up. Stop sending the yeah, report. Yeah, <laughs> and also it doesn't mean that just because you're an accountant or you're a finance person and you're just looking at numbers and whatnot that the job is boring because there are other things, not just the job portion, right? But like, you know, for example, you have fun teammates or something. Hmm. That's also part of the job, right? Right. Like, for example, my team, even though obviously we are doing all this high-level stuff, but we had this funniest office videos. So there was a contest in the hmm. office. And then we would always join trying to win the prizes. <laughs> of course, you are competitive. That's yeah, why. <laughs> we are competitive, right? Like we, we were joking that FPNA stands for Film Production and Acting. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we eventually won first prize uh, after nice. how many years. So you can have fun at work. Mm. It can still be fun accounting. Right. Yeah, it's your attitude. Like, obviously, mm. you can crack jokes with your teammates, be friends with them and stuff like that. Um, it's not just about, I'm just here crunching numbers and all that. It's not mm. about that. It's totally about your attitude. And it also helps to maybe brainstorm with people like, oh, how do you think we could improve this report? And then you talk together, that kind of thing. And then in the process, you also get to know your teammates, not just your stakeholders. You also know if they have any dogs or something. (laughs) You mentioned dogs earlier. (laughs) Yeah. I think this is a a better hot close than the question we initially. So we don't have to ask the question. But yeah, Yeah, it is. You do what you do. If people think your job is boring, then prove them wrong, right? Exactly. Showcase to them what it is that you do. What are the things that you can do uh, to make your job exciting? Yeah. I suppose before you can make your job exciting, you, you need to make sure you do the basics first, right? Like of for course, finance, yeah. <laughs> Our voice, the reports that we send, that's our bond with our business, right? And we need to make sure it's accurate. Mm. 
Because the moment we lose that trust from our stakeholders, that's when we lose our value, right? Yes. Because no matter how creative, how nice, how beautiful the report is, if it's not accurate, if it's telling us uh, the wrong story, the wrong narrative, then mm-hmm. it's useless, garbage in, garbage out. Yep. So yeah, make sure you know the basics, accuracy, timeliness, all those basic finance concepts. Yep. Then make your job exciting. Then yeah. That's yeah, I think kind of- it's all about attitude really. I, I used to think mm. like I did not want to get into finance at all like I thought mm. it was boring but then I realized that it's not really that you can make it exciting again with how you interact with your stakeholders and with your teammates yeah I used to get annoyed when people would like you know chit chat at the start of the meeting or something but I realized <laughs> that it actually helps yeah it is like, even it yeah. just asking about something very simple and then they realize that oh I like this person yeah because of the way you talk when you're mm. not talking about numbers Mm. Then you have a better relationship already with the stakeholder or with the, whoever you're talking to. Right. And I'm made aware of the stereotype for finance as kind of boring and plain vanilla is. I receive a lot of comments from people that you don't sound like somebody from finance. Exactly. Like, they always say that, right? Like, like you, like, really? You're in finance? No. I, yeah. They would think, I thought you would be in. For me, it's very funny because maybe it's because I. Well, as a girl, I you know I like wearing fashionable because I thought you would be in fashion or in marketing <laughs> or something because mm. of my social media. So they would never have expected me to be in finance. But that's a stereotype, right? They yeah. think finance people are boring and mm. I don't know why. Maybe because in the movies, accountants are always portrayed as these nerdy people. Brings a big calculator and uh, perhaps a ledger. I don't know. <laughs> wear glasses. Usually you wear glasses, but you know, you have a different personality to these people in the movies, I would think. Well, except Ben Affleck. I mean, but I think mm. that was different, right? Because <laughs> he was actually. <laughs> <laughs> when are movies are a real portrayal of real life? No. Wait, wasn't there a musical, The Producers or something, where there were accountants and they. I can't remember the story now, but I seem to remember that. There was like a room full of accountants and they were like singing unhappy, unhappy because they were (laughs) (laughs) unhappy at their jobs like with calculators and staplers or something. Maybe it was in the past because we don't have the right technology to actually do our job, right? We have to do everything manually. We have a Ah. yellow worksheet to do the stuff. But right now we have all the tools. Like a system can do what, people used to do a really long time but now we can do it in a a click of a mouse and so the question is what do we do after that what do we do beyond what the Mm. system can do and that's what makes it exciting i think how do you make your work more interesting to you if not Mm. for other people you're not going to be unhappy (laughs) Mm. So I don't know who told me this advice, but mm. it's it's really an advice that I carry on ever since this day is think about who you want to be and what you want to be five years from now. Okay. And then be that person today. Wow. Right? If you want to be CFO five years from now, be that person today. Like, what would a CFO do? Because then mm. if, if the company sees you, you're already doing the job for the next step. or mm. And so you're already ready. Because by doing things that you're not yet prepared to do or you're not yet developed to do, then at least you know what you need to do to be that person, right? Maybe you need training on this one. You need more help with this one, with that one. At least you you know what, what you need to do. 
Because if I you see. just wait five years, chances are you may be very off. Uh, from your trajectory. That, that right? is true. Yeah. yeah usually, mm. right? If you say, oh, I'm going to ask for a promotion now, but it's not going to happen immediately, right? It will mm. probably take uh, a few more years or whatever, depending on the circumstances and stuff. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's been a very long conversation. So, <laughs> it is. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> because this topic was so exciting, D, we actually ran out of time and we don't have space already for. Our cutie minute in this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's it, it for, for now. now. Bye. Bye. <laughs>